Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 81 of the podcast that was originally recorded on August 4th of 2015. Some of the games I played for the week, Vikings, Broom Service, Sorrow of the Seas. I got back into some Pathfinder Society RPGing. I also played some Shroud of the Avatar and Rocket League. I also talked about a few of the games I want to play now. Enjoy the episode. and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. My name is Joe Luzzi and welcome to episode 81. Hey, as I always say, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. Just follow me at whatimplayingnow. Don't forget to drop the G. On Facebook, you can do a search for What I'm Playing Now and you'll find us on Facebook, on Google+. We are plus.google.com slash the plus sign, What I'm Playing Now podcast. And then, of course, our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Okay, let's jump into some of the games I played for the week. I don't have an interview this week as I have had the past few weeks, but I did play quite a few good games that I'm really ready, looking forward to talking about. So let's jump into those. So one of the first games I played this past week was a game called Vikings. This is a game from a few years ago. It's a tile placement game, and each turn you're buying tiles based on 12 random meeples that are pulled from a bag, and the meeples are placed in a particular order based on their color from the least to the most expensive. And there's a little chart on the board that actually tells you which meeples go in which order based on their color. And the tiles are then placed in a that are in a pile that are randomly shuffled in a pile and those are placed in a clockwise fashion for the land pieces but there's also ship pieces that are intermixed along with those and those get placed in a counterclockwise fashion when they are drawn and basically you start at kind of like this zero because there's a rondelle in the middle which i will get to in a second so the tiles that you that you draw and that you're that are placed on your board they're kind of placed on this upside down l that's kind of shaped board and it has a column along the left hand side and it kind of shows you the different colored meeples and basically what they give you there are several different colors along the side each one is kind of like a different a different job i guess you can say i actually did very well with the fisherman i will say now let's go back to that rondelle there's a rondelle in the middle and the rondelle is basically a dial and it starts off at zero and then goes around from like one to twelve i think it was that's basically the cost of the tiles when you purchase those you'll basically get the tile and the meeple that goes that is you know corresponding to that so based on the tile and the meeple that you purchased you can place those you can place the tile on a row matching the meeple or you can place the meeple in the upper left hand corner of your board and then place the tile the land tile basically anywhere based on the land that you're drawing there's three different types of land there's a starter piece which kind of looks like um it, it, it kind of when you're looking at the tiles it looks like it has a really jagged edge on the one side there's a middle piece which you can tell kind of just connects to both sides and there's an end piece that's kind of like a little rounder i think it was you pretty much have to place a starting piece first and then a middle piece and then you can put as many middle pieces as you want and then an end piece and then once you end a land section you can also start a new a new island section by placing another starter piece and then building on from there and what you're trying to do in this game is to basically get the most victory points. So I kind of started off a little confused on this one. And there were a couple of us that had not played this before. And we were sitting next to each other. And we were helping each other out the first couple of turns. But once I kind of got a feeling for this, I kind of got a good flow going. I somehow ended up with the longest fisherman row at the table. I thought for sure I was in last place as they don't give you any immediate victory points. And at the end of the game, I guess I could say my somewhat of a strategy paid off. 
as I was able to obtain the two bonus tiles that really helped me with the Fisherman's. And I think they kind of gave me over 45 points total at the end of the game, which kind of just flew me ahead of everybody else's score that was sitting there. And a couple of the guys were laughing, saying that they had seen actually that strategy used before by um, some other guys in our game group when in playing with the Fisherman. And I just kind of said, that's it's kind of how the tiles were falling for me. I was basically purchasing what I could. So if you ever do play this game, keep in mind that the Fisherman may not pay off immediately, but at the end of the game, if you can get some of the bonus tiles, you can really, really make up for it. So I would definitely suggest in looking into this strategy while you're playing the game. There's a lot of different things that can happen in the game, a lot of different strategy going on there. What I kind of explained is just a tip of the iceberg. There's a little bit more and a few other things that you'll find out when you do play the game. Definitely give this one a shot. I really enjoyed it. This may be one that I may actually be looking to actually add to my collection. I liked it so much. All right, and then the next game actually is a game called Broom Service, and this game actually just won the 2015 Kennerspiel de Jara's Award. I was really looking forward to this one. This one's actually was in my What I Want to Play Now that I mentioned last week on the podcast, and it's really nice to finally get something checked off of that list because I always say these games that I want to play now, and it seems like I rarely ever get to play any of those the following week, and I'm usually playing something completely different. So it was really cool to actually be able to play something that actually just won a really prestigious award and was one that I kind of, that I wanted to play. So I can check this one off my list, but I have a feeling this won't be the last time I'm talking about it because it was actually a pretty good game. So at the start of the game, I kind of had an initial strategy that after several turns, I really needed to just kind of completely throw out the window as I was I was being way overly aggressive and just was not getting anything accomplished. My score was minuscule compared to everybody else's, and I was sitting there just completely frustrated, just really wasn't enjoying the game at first. But I will say that after playing the game, it's it's not at all what I thought it was going to be. I, I, I really don't know what I was expecting, but I've never played Witch's Brew, which I hear that this game is based off of. But I really wasn't expecting so much of a possibility to kind of screw your neighbor over kind of component to this game, especially since it had just won pretty much kind of like the Game of the Year award. But that was my own strategy that I was using, so that was definitely not the game's fault. How you play this game is each player starts off with a stack of the same cards, and basically everybody has the same stack of cards, there's just a different color back on them, so basically you know what color player you are. On your turn, you're going to pick four cards, which will basically be the actions for your turn. So I guess you can say this is kind of the partial programming part of the game. So the player with the first player token picks a card and they play it, and then you have two possible actions on, actions on each card. You can either be a brave witch or a cowardly witch. If you choose to take the cowardly witch action, you basically get to do that action immediately. Your turn's over, and then you'll basically get to play another card. But if you choose to do the brave witch, and this is what I did way too many times at the beginning of the game, you then look at each opponent in a clockwise order and ask if they have the matching witch you just played, and they have to play it. And then they have the choice to be either the brave or cowardly witch. Since you chose brave, if they chose brave, they basically trump you. And they basically knock your witch out of the turn. And then it keeps going around the table. And then the next person can, if they have the same witch, they can play it. And if they want to be brave, they can be brave knocking out the person behind them. And so on and so forth until everybody has done that. So basically once it kind of gets to the the last player, they can actually be the brave witch, knock everybody else out, and they're the one who gets to do the action. Also, completing a brave action will usually give you a little bit more as a reward than completing a cowardly action. So usually, like one of, if you were playing one of the colored witches, you'll usually get to, the cowardly witch will normally just get to move, the brave witch will get to move, and then possibly do an action, which will then let you turn in a resource for some points. 
which you can't do all that in one turn if unless if you go with a brave one. So basically your goal in this game is to have the most victory points at the end of the game, and you'll do this kind of like what I just said, by collecting resources, you'll turn them into different castles around the map, and then the further a castle is away from your starting area, the more points it's generally worth. So you're trying to basically move all over the board, collect resources, and turn in all the different resources for different victory points. There's also a mechanic when you're playing with less than five players that the cards for the fifth player get turned over each round and whatever card is turned over, anybody who plays that card that round actually gets minus two to their victory points. So you really need to watch when you're playing different things if you're definitely if you're not playing with five people. There is definitely a lot of player interaction going on in this game. And while I tried to be a little too aggressive in the beginning of that game, and I really wasn't having that good of a time, it's definitely my own fault. And at the end, I did actually want to play the game again, and it surprised actually several of the people that were at the table, because they kind of saw that I really wasn't having the best of times. But I told them that the game wasn't broken, it was basically my initial strategy was just completely flawed, and that I really actually enjoyed the game. Now, I will say this, that considering some of the other games that were actually up for that Kennerspiel Award, I'm kind of surprised that Broom Service actually did win. It's a good game, but I'm not really too sure that it kind of deserved the award that it just got. But maybe I need to play it a few times before I really pass that final judgment on there and actually make that statement. So after playing it just once, that's my initial thinking. But in listening to a few other reviewers and some other podcasts, I think I'm not the only one with those types of thoughts. But like I says, I'm probably going to be playing this a few more times because I know several of my good friends that are in my game group are really enjoying this game. So they will probably be bringing this to the table and I definitely will will jump at that to play it a couple of more times. So if you haven't had a chance to check out Broom Service, definitely give it a shot. All right, and then on Sunday, we met up for our local Pathfinder Adventure card game adventure group and we actually played board games that day. There were a couple of people that are newer to our group that actually hadn't finished up the season of the Shackles, so we were playing through a couple of the early scenarios before our whole group got back together and started down the path of the Wrath of the Righteous scenarios, which I believe we're actually going to start in our next meeting now. And when a couple of the people that hadn't played through those scenarios weren't there and all of us that did show up actually had completed the whole season, we kind of looked at each other and were like... We really don't need to play these a second time for as much as we did like them. Why don't we just walk over to the wall of game boards over here since we're pretty much all avid board game players and pick a couple of games and do a couple of things. So one of the games I actually had a chance to play was Sorrow of the Seas. And I will say that I was knocked out pretty early into this game as well. But it was a really nice light game, really easy to pick up. I really enjoyed it. It's another tile laying game. But in this game, you basically have a hand of three tiles. And each turn, you're going to roll two dice. And on a six, seven, or eight, you can move the dragon tiles that are placed on the board. After this, you get to actually place a tile in front of your ship, and then your ship follows the lines, and each tile basically has different lines on there, which is kind of like a path that the ship is going to follow. And you're going to place the tile in front of your ship, and your ship's going to follow whatever line it's in front of, and basically go to the end of the tile. So what it kind of reminded me of immediately was, it's basically a board game of the old snake video game. You're moving along a path, you're trying to keep yourself from going off the edge of the board, or running into a dragon and being eaten. The game's kind of, I would say the game's pretty quick, because once people started dying, several people, once I died, there were a couple of more turns, and then several other people started just dying one right after the other. But you do get to interact with the game. That I, The one thing I really liked about it is you still get to interact with the game even after dying. So even once you're dead, when it comes around to your turn, you actually do get to roll the dice to see if the dragon moves, and then if the, one of the, if the dragons do move, you're basically trying to just kill your opponent since you're already gone, and you just want to destroy everybody else. The board starts off pretty blank, with 
just the dragon tiles. But after you get several rounds in playing with uh, the five people, I think that we had there, the board fills up with tiles very quickly. And placing your ship and going down a wrong path is something very easy to do. And people were sitting there just looking at the tiles and trying to figure out what path they would take if they put a particular tile down. And you could really end up in a really bad predicament, basically like looking down the face of a dragon on your next turn and pretty much will be out of the game. So if you never actually had a chance to play Sorrow of the Seas, I would definitely suggest giving this game a shot. It's a very light, easy family style game. And if that's the type of game you're looking for, I have a feeling this one will be right up your alley. All right, and then one of the other things I got to do this past week, I actually got back into the Pathfinder RPG, Pathfinder Society, and was able to play through scenario 37, I think it is, in the Pathfinder Society, and that is the Beggar's Pearl. I actually rolled up, finally got my first character completely created with the help of Hero Labs, which I had purchased. I think I had mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago that I had purchased the Hero Lab software. And I will say for being the first time I rolled up a Pathfinder character, the software helped me out immensely. The little cost that it was, I am so glad to have invested in that software as it really made creating this first character much easier. There were a few things I kind of really didn't like about the software in that I was playing a half-elf. I rolled a half-elf ranger. Being that race, I was given the opportunity to choose between two classes, but I didn't want to do a multi-class character, but that was pretty much my only option. So I actually pretty much didn't choose anything. And when I got to the game store yesterday, I talked to a bunch of the guys and the one guy showed me the one advanced class book that actually had several different choices that I could take besides doing the multi-class because he even suggested don't do a multi-class character. And I figured, yes, I know that. And from having played Dungeons and Dragons so many years ago, I knew I really didn't want to go down that road. But it was really nice to get back into some Pathfinder RPG to get down, to get sit at the table with a group of guys. Actually, one of the guys had his daughter there playing as well, who was our barbarian in the group and did an outstanding job at killing pretty much mostly everything that we were faced with. My dice were not working, I will say, last night. I think the last combat that we actually had with the boss characters I was able to one shot one of them with a very good roll but other than that the rest of the combats that we had throughout the night my dice were just not working for me I had a couple of good rolls for initiative but the rest of my combat rolls were just arrows flying everywhere luckily not hitting any of my compatriots in the game and I was just actually very happy with that so can't wait for next week next week I actually may have to play with a pre-gen character as it looks like some of the scenarios we're going to be playing are going to be playing in the level three to seven range and I believe my ranger is just hit level two as of last night I had a couple of scenarios that I had played from when I had played Pathfinder a while ago I added them I added them to this character because I had used pre-gen characters for those so I put those XP points toward this towards this one so after last night's game I was able to bump this character up to level two now but um, I don't think I'll be able to jump into the level three to seven one with that character so I will probably just do a pre-gen maybe a do a paladin and that will probably be the next character that I create and I already have several scenarios played with a pre-gen paladin so once I get their character leveled up I will already have several XP points to be able to give to them as well all right and then of course shroud of the avatar I'm, I'm still playing this game I can't get enough of this one release 20 I believe just came out this past week I wasn't I haven't been able to spend as much time as I have wanted to with this game but after being level 49 when the last release ended and they actually wiped the characters and then having to go back down to level five you start off the game with level five at at level five they give you those first couple levels and i will say that even being level five the first several levels have been very difficult i think i finally have a pretty decent pattern of what quests to run first before i go out 
into the wilderness and try to just start grinding away because grinding away without the proper weapon and armor is pretty much just going to be constant deaths and running to the Ankh to revive yourself, which can get a little frustrating. But after I found a couple of quests that had me just running between a couple of towns and delivering a couple of things and going out and finding a key for somebody at their house that's surrounded by a bunch of skeletons and killing them and bringing the key back, I was actually able to obtain several levels, and it's really nice having the double XP turned on for these first prob probably 49 levels. It's nice that they do that for us, so I it is making leveling much easier. But after finishing those quests and actually getting a few combats out on my belt and some gold, I was able to purchase some decent armor and a little bit better of a weapon, and I actually am not dying as much right now. So I actually was able to get up to, I think, level 12 or 13 the other night after playing for a little bit, still trying to work on my my crafting skills as well, which are very slow at the beginning, but I have a feeling once I get a few more levels under my belt, I'll dump a bunch into the skinning skill and start probably going to find some wolves to fight them for a little bit, as that was how I leveled up the last time, and that seemed to work quite well. All right, and then one of the other games I played for this week, Saturday morning I woke up, was just in the mood to play on the PlayStation 4, and sat down and started up Rocket League, spent the next several hours playing Rocket League. I didn't play in any online games at all. I was playing, I was mainly going through the tutorial, and one of the tutorials kind of, I guess, upset me just a tad, as I really couldn't get it. It was the one where you were trying to do all the double jumping, and I had gotten all of the achievements that you were trying to get during that, during that, um, during that training session, but one, I couldn't, I wasn't able to get, there was one ball I think you were supposed to jump up and hit, and I just could not hit it, and I had hit all the other ones, and I had tried it for about five, ten minutes, I went on the internet, I saw a couple other people were asking the same thing, really couldn't find anything as far as what I was doing wrong or what I needed to do, so I kind of just stopped doing the tutorial and just jumped into some games with bots and started leveling my guy up and unlocking a whole bunch of different things and started really having a really good time with the game and started noticing that it's there there's a heck of a lot of strategy to this game and when you're playing with multiple people i can see that being able to communicate is going to be a huge factor in this game especially when it's going to come down to when you're going to want people to attack and when you're going to want somebody to hold back and just basically telling your teammates where you're at what you're doing and where the ball is at and everything it's it's a great game if you haven't seen rocket league yet it's basically kind of like a car combat game playing soccer it is just a hell of a lot of fun i will say it's, it seems to be really popular on Steam as well as on the consoles. It's I think it's only like a $15 to $20 game, so it's not that expensive, but there seems to be a lot of replayability with this game. And so I kind of can't wait for my wife to get into this game a little bit more and for her to go through the tutorial and learn a little bit of things and get into some games against her or even into some online games with some friends. So definitely check out Rocket League if you have PS4, Xbox One, PC. You can find them on all of them, and I believe it's all cross-platform from what I was told. So I don't think just the PS4 people are playing with the PS4. I believe that the game is pretty much just all cross-platform, which is outstanding. And I really like when the developers of games do that. All right, so that was it for the games I played for the week. As I said, I had played a few. All right, we're going to jump over to what I want to play now. So while I was down at the board game store the other day at my friendly local game store. I actually picked up Traders of Osaka, which is a game I've talked about on a couple podcasts ago, I believe. To me, this game kind of reminds me of Jaipur on steroids. It's a game I really enjoy. When I saw it was back in stock, I grabbed one immediately because I didn't know how much longer it would be in stock. So I brought that home, showed it to my wife, and we're probably going to get a game of that in one of the nights this week. So I'll probably be talking about that maybe a little bit next week. Probably not too much since I have already gone into the rules and everything for the game, but I will talk about if we do play that or not. I also have a scheduled game time set for this weekend for some Duel of Ages 2. 
hopefully we can get in a good game of that this weekend. There's one guy that comes down to the game store that does a lot of miniature gaming. He actually has Duel of Ages 2. He said he never played it. So I told him that a couple of us were getting together on Saturday, and I invited him down to join us, and we would probably do maybe like a two-on-one style game to show him how to play the game and everything, and maybe then he'll pick up the big box set that I picked up the last time as well. All right, and then, of course, I am really looking forward to, since we talked about this on Sunday, on the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game Group, starting up the season of The Wrath of Righteous. I'm going to be preparing my group for that. I'm going to be printing out all of the scenarios that we have currently. I'm going to be getting my boxed set, my box set ready for that one, getting all the cards in there ready as I really haven't even gone through any of the Wrath of the Righteous base set or any of the expansions that I currently have for it. And I, I, since I have the subscription, I'm pretty much current on everything. I'm going to be adding in all of the promo cards as well, as well as letting people play with the iconic cards that I have from the miniatures that I purchased. So that would be pretty interesting too, as we really didn't add those into our Skull of the Shackles season. So I'm going to try to add in a lot of the different things that um, that I have for the game that we really didn't use for Skull of Shackles. Really looking forward to Wrath of the Righteous, but that's going to be it. Those are the games I played for the week, and those are the games I want to play. And of course, you know there's always more that I want to play. One of the guys that was down at the game store yesterday was mentioning Viticulture to me, and he said he'd actually listened to the podcast and heard me talking about being so disappointed into not being not playing Viticulture that he said he'd definitely have it at uh, another game group for us. So as always, I'm still looking forward to Viticulture, but like I said before, I'm not listing it. So until I actually get to play it and talk about it, it's not going to show up on my list again. All right, everybody, that's it. Hey, thanks for listening and joining me for another week. Come back next week for another podcast. But before you do that, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G on Facebook. It's what I'm playing now. Just do a search for that on Google Plus. It's plus.google.com slash the plus sign. What I'm playing now podcast. And then, of course, our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining me. Like I said, don't forget to give me some reviews on iTunes. Always appreciate that. As always, follow me on Twitter. Wouldn't mind some likes on Facebook. But as always, hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I'll be back next week with another week of games. So have a great week, everybody, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.